Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Jesus, Jesus, 
Amen. God bless you, children of God. We do greet each of you once again in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our soon-coming King, our strength, our Redeemer, our shield, our buckler, our everything. Everything that you and I really will ever need in life is found in him. We get ourselves in trouble every time we are looking for something outside of him. We're looking for some peace outside of the Lord. It's counterfeit, won't last, get you in trouble. Looking for some love outside of him. It's counterfeit, it's fake, it get us in trouble. Anytime we are looking for something, and this is what the adversary you know, loves to do, is to present you and I with that which is outside of God, you know, outside of the parameters of God. We understand that everything that has been created has been created by God. God is the one that made evil. God is the, man, the one that made wickedness. God is the one that made sin. There's nothing that exists that he did not create. However, there are things that God has created that he doesn't want you and I to involve ourselves in. God is the one that made cowardice, but yet he doesn't want us to be afraid. God is the one that made lying, but he doesn't want us to lie. So God has made a whole lot of stuff that he don't want us to be involved in. Scientists. Now, some of you are, oh, how can that be possible? Scientists make a whole lot of stuff that they ain't trying to get. There's all kind of stuff they done cooked up in laboratories, chemical weapons and different things. That they, they even go in there with suits on, hazmat suits and, and all kinds of things on. I wouldn't be surprised if Ebola was something that they joke was cooked up in a lab somewhere, messed around and escaped. I don't know. I don't know. But they got, all, they got all kind of stuff that they have cooked up that even the scientists don't want to get. Now, they cooked it up. They may even experiment on it with somebody else, but they ain't trying to to get that. Those of you that have been worshiping with us, you know we are working on our most recent topic from cowardly to conqueror. For cowardly to conqueror. And we, we thank God because God has is letting us to know that He is taking us from some place to some place better. You know, don't get too discouraged about where you are. God is taking us from wickedness to righteousness. God is taking us from darkness to light. God is taking us from foolishness to wisdom. God is our Christian journey is the process of going from one negative state to a positive state. That's that's what Christianity is all about. It'd be all kind of negative states we'd be in. Even as Christians, that God in his abundant love and his compassion and his mercy be having to take us from Think about what we were when we got saved. Oh man, you don't just you don't just come up out of that overnight now. Some things you might, but some things God be like, I'm still working with you, I'm still working with you. So understand that God is taking us somewhere. We looked at capital A, Abram or Abraham, and uh we wanted to move down and take a look at Moses. Moses. We want to run to Exodus.
The name Moses comes from the Hebrew, which sounds like to draw out or drawn out. Now, oftentimes, when you look at Hebrew names, their names oftentimes describe their character, describe their destiny, uh, give us glimpses into what individuals will do. And it's not ironic at all that Moses, who we all know later in life, drew the Israelites out of Egypt, began his life by being drawn out of the Nile River. Mm. So a lot of times, you know, a lot of times there'll, there'll be things or there'll, there'll be times when, when what individuals will be doing at a very, very little age will be a, a glimpse into their, their destiny. You know, I remember something my father told me, you know, when I was asking him about uh, the opportunity I had to go and play professional basketball in Ireland many years ago. And he, who had been watching me uh, develop with the game and play the game since I was about four years old, he said two things to me that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. He said, one, he said, son, if you don't go, he said, 10 years from now, you're going to always wonder what would have happened if you would have gone. And he said, number two, he said, boy, this is what you've been working for since the time you were four years old. He said, the first time you ever picked up a basketball, you threw it up there and you made it. The very first time you pick up, I said, what? Well, it's the first time you picked up. I'm looking right at you. you about four years old. Pick a basketball and threw it up there, and you made it. So, you know, Moses' destiny was to be saved himself from a terrible situation. Remember that Pharaoh had lost his proverbial mind, wanted to kill all of the what? All the babies, all the young boys, every boy that is born, you must throw into the, into the Nile. Every girl was allowed to live. But then he was used by God to save hundreds of thousands of individuals from a very terrible situation. Jesus told his disciples, many of them were fishermen in their profession, in their occupation. Jesus tells them, look, from now on, what? You will be fishers of men. Don't be surprised if your work in the ministry is not similar <laughs> to what your work was in the natural. Well, don't be surprised if it's, if it's similar. You know, Moses, to draw out, draw out. We want to look at Exodus chapter 2 with a very special focus on verse 14. The Bible says, the man said to Moses, who made you ruler? And judge over us. 
Are you thinking of killing me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. Exodus chapter 2, verse 14. The man who was hitting his fellow Hebrew said to Moses, who made you rule and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. Capital B, Moses. From a topic or series from cowardly to conqueror. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Again, Father, we bless your holy name. You alone are God, and beside you, there is none other. It's you who are the creator of all things and the preserver of light and life. It is you who have saved us through the atoning work of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. It is you, Father, who have patiently worked with us while we are still developing, while Christ is still being formed in us. Though we have not yet been made perfect, though we have not yet obtained all of this, you still love us and you keep moving us forward by your spirit and by your power. You keep leading and guiding us in your paths of righteousness for your namesake. We appreciate you this morning. We pause reverently. TVs, social media, Xboxes, and video games, radios, we all cease and desist at this time and at this hour to honor, to reverence, to laud, and to magnify your name. This is your hour. Speak, Father, for your servants, your people, have gathered various parts of the world hear your word, to hear your will. We are touching and agreeing in the name of Jesus Christ. You've told us, Father, that no flesh shall glory in your presence. We are presenting ourselves to you this hour as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For you've said that this is, your, this is our spiritual act of worship. Father, help us not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Speak a word today, Father, in our midst that will renew our minds, that will transform us by your word and by your power. We may be instruments used by you to transform this wicked and adulterous generation. Forgive us, Father, of our sins, iniquities, shortcomings, failures, which we have grievously committed against you. 
We ask, Father, that you will continue to bring us from darkness into the marvelous light. Continue to bring us from death to life. Father, we are not asking for your presence this morning. That would be ignorant on our part. We already know that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are in the midst. Rather than ask you for your presence, Father, we thank you for your presence. We ask that your spirit will speak, sensitize every heart, mind under the sound of my voice, Father, that we might hear what the spirit of God has to say to each one of us. Speak to us individually. Speak to us collectively. That we may move a step closer to you. We ask these blessings and all others. The mighty and the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. Capital B, Moses. From cowardly conqueror. You see here a little bit of irony. Moses, whose very life was the result of miraculous salvation. We spoke about earlier Moses when the decree was given by Pharaoh to kill all the boys, throw the boys in the Nile, and let the girls live. Miraculously, Moses was spared. Here he is as an adult. He's been living a privileged life living far better than any of his Israelite brothers and sisters. While his Israelite brothers and sisters were growing up as slaves at the business end of whips and beatings, Moses was eating grapes in Pharaoh's palace. While his brothers sisters were enduring the hot sun of the day, working from sunup to sundown and even beyond that, some of these very same slaves were fanning Moses as he kicked back in air-conditioned palace. And yet this life of privilege that he experienced, which was so different from those that he was sent to minister to and to lead, God still chose him. You say, Apostle, what are you trying to get us to understand? I often feel like this when God sent me to Africa to minister to our brothers and sisters who many of them, many of them, are living much more difficult lives than what we can even imagine or fathom. 
But one thing that God does with Moses, and I want to encourage somebody today, and he will do with any great leader, male or female, is that God will give you a taste of what those are dieting on that he is sending you to lead. Hmm? What? God will give you a taste. You say, Apostle, what, what are you trying to say? Now, you just told us that Moses grew up living a privileged life, living a fortunate life of privilege, a life of luxury. Yes, he did. But then he also took off and ran to Midian and spent 40 years in the wilderness. He spent 40 years you know, in a very, very different environment than what he had grown up accustomed to. Moses got him a taste of hard work. Moses got him a taste of uh, lack of luxury. Moses got him a taste. He, when Moses ran from Egypt to Midian, I know it rolls off our tongues very, 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 very quickly, very, very what? Easily. But you're talking about, you're talking about riches to rags. Moses went from a prince in Pharaoh's house to a shepherd in the wilderness. Oh, some of y'all don't think that there's much to that. You try leaving, you know, uh, air-conditioned house and different things and strike right out there in the woods and just start living. What is the name? There's a program that some of the saints have been, we've been talking about alone, alone. These are characters, 10 characters for $500,000. They just take and drop them off with a, I don't know if it's a cell phone or a video camera. Drop them off out in the Alaskan wilderness. They got, you know, some few supplies, but they're going to be cut off from contact. Whoever the last one left standing get to win $500,000. And these jokers are dropping like flies. Why? Because it's not easy going from many of the comforts that, 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 many, that most of us take for granted to just living like that. I have stayed in the bush in Africa and different places, and it's, it, 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 it's a whole different mindset. You say, Apostle, what, what are you driving at? God is introducing Moses hmm, to a different mindset. God is letting Moses know that everybody don't live like you've been living them last 40 years. Now, the Bible says this took place, verse 11, one day after Moses had grown up. Now, just after Moses had grown up. There, there are some, see, Moses didn't know nothing about, you know, you know, this is, Moses was a grown man when he went into the wilderness. Moses didn't know nothing about no, no whole lot of rough, difficult living. No. Mm-mm. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. Watch them. Doesn't say that Moses was dressed in anybody's slave clothing. Moses was just looking.
Now, what God has in my spirit is that situations, circumstances, people, places, and events look one way when you haven't been through it, and they look another way when you have. Driving by in your air-conditioned car with your windows rolled up, your six-figure income, homeless man look one way, holding a sign up, homeless, needs some food. He look one way, but he look a whole nother way when you don't lost that six-figure job. They don't put you out of your house. They don't foreclose on that air-conditioned car, and now you out there on the side of the road holding up a sign talking about homeless will work for food. It look, it's a different look. It's a different look. In other words, it's a different look when you are experiencing a thing than when you are looking at a thing. It's a different look. It's a different look. This is why it is so important for God to allow us to have varied experiences. You learn a lot through varied experiences. You, you learn a lot. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because a lot of times we can take people, places, and things for granted till they get gone. You see, that's why, watch this now. God said, Robert, this is why a whole lot of times Sometimes when people's loved ones die, husband, wife, son, daughter, mama, daddy, sister, brother, friend, loved one, this is why sometimes folks be going through all kind of changes when they die. <laughs> Can't get themselves together. A lot of times that don't be just because of the death of the individual. A lot of times that be because individuals didn't appreciate individuals while they were alive like they were supposed to. See, there's one day your daddy is not going to be there no more. He's going to be dead. He's going to be a memory. You'll be looking at pictures of him in a scrapbook. There's one day your mama not going to be there no more. There's one day your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your, your, there's one day your sister, your brother, they're not going to be there no more. And, and many of us, we do some of the stupidest stuff. Some of the stupidest stuff, I, I, as God has, we were talking about when, when Moses had grown up. There's some things that come to you that you have to experience when you've grown up. We come together from all out of town, sometimes come from all other countries, after folk have died. And wouldn't even call them on the phone when they was alive. Wouldn't even go and see them. When they was alive, wouldn't oh, wouldn't even encourage. To me, that's the, it's the most craziest of things. Bring all, spend all kind of money on flowers, and wouldn't even buy them a cup of coffee when they were alive. This to me is the stupidest thing. This is just the stupidest thing. You say, Apostle, well, you, you're cutting into one of our into one of our traditions in here in the United States. Yeah, I, I hope so. Give people their flowers while they are alive. You want to do something nice or wonderful or heartfelt for Apostle Brian? Don't wait till I'm sitting in a casket or a coffin. You want to do something nice for your mama? Do it now. 
You want to do something nice for your daddy, do it now. You want to do something good for your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife, your friend, do it now. What are you waiting till they die for? Stupidest thing to me. Stupidest thing. Once they die, now all of a sudden, you got so many nice words to say. Well, you see, Brother Johnny was such a good man. Mm-hmm. He was a righteous man. Well, and you just finished cussing him out two weeks ago because he owed you $3 from 1978. It's the stupidest thing to me. Now, to me. I'll be like, well, what, Lord? What they be doing, Lord? Lord, Lord be like, Robert, they doing what they think is good. They doing what they think is good. Once you are dead, there is nothing else I can do for you unless the Lord send me to raise you up from the dead. And he, I've seen him do that too. But a bunch of flowers for you? You dead. Bunch of whatever for you? You dead. Let me give you the best that I can give you now. I've seen individuals spend more time with folk when they dead than when they was alive. Let's get back to the message. Do it now. Just like just like how stupid is it to get to hell and then be trying to cry out, Lord, I believe, I believe, save me. Lord, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I, I repent of my sin. God be saying, What? It's too late. It's the stupidest thing, and you got folk doing it every day. Say, Apostle, what you got? Man? Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. You got something you, you, you want to get yourself saved? Do it now while the breath of life is still in you, because once God takes that breath of life out of you, that's ball game. You got something real, real good and real, 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 you want to do for mama and daddy and, and grandma and them? Do it now. All at a funeral, putting on a show. Know you've been the sorriest son known to man. Know you've been the sorriest daughter known to man. Know you've been the sorriest husband, the sorriest wife. You're good for nothing, brother. Good. Please. I'll be like, Lord, what are they doing? Lord, I'll be like, Robert, let them, let, let them do. Let them do. Moses went and watched them at their hard labor. Little did he know that some of that hard labor that he was going to get him. See, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you be watching your destiny and don't even know it. Sometimes you be looking right at your destiny and don't even know it. I, you know, and, and the Lord is bringing to my spirit. I remember once I had gone down to uh, Nigeria, and I was in a city called Port Hardcourt, Port Hardcourt, Nigeria, and uh, one great man of God there, you know, put me in a nice hotel. I was going to preach at his church. I guess he had, you know, about 5,000 folk with him or whatever, 
very popular, very well-known man of God. You know, he was taking care of me real good. And I had some of my spiritual sons, ministers that I knew in the area. They found out that I was at the hotel, and they came. And uh, one of the ministers came, and he brought the wife of the managing director at a place called NNPC. And this is a very huge petroleum company, and they're very, very wealthy and very, very rich. He brought this sister in, you know, you could tell, you know, this sister was from money. I mean, you know, she was sharp, you know. And I looked at him, and he was like, you know, Ma, I want to introduce you to Apostle Brian from the United States. He's coming in, he'll be preaching at Apostle Zilli Agri's church in there. And, you know, we made introductions, and I looked at him, and God gave me some prophetic utterances to share with her. All the ministers were there, you know, pastors were there, different churches and different names. I said, God see. And this woman of God, she lived, her and her husband and her family lived in a huge mansion, one of the biggest places I had ever been in and ever seen. I mean, I remember my room, they put me in a room there, and the room was probably about half the size of this church building. Had a little, little bed, a little bitty table, a huge room, and this little bitty bed, I remember that. I remember that. But I gave those prophetic utterances. And the woman of God hollered out. She said, I want, you know, and I was there with my team, you know, Dr. God's Powell and, and some of the other pastors. And we, you know, we were going, we were there traveling as a team. She said, I want you all. I gave the prophetic utterances. She looked at me and said, that's what God say. That was God. She said, I want you all, I want you all to come and stay with me. I want all of you, you all. And Dr. God's Powell and some of the other ministers, they were like, no, no, no. I was like, man, let's go. I was like, let's go. Load us up in big-time vehicles, all kind of big-time vehicles, and took us to this huge mansion where they were staying. Had rooms for us. It was the first time I think I was in Nigeria for 40, for 50 days, for 50 days, and it was at that mansion the first time, and I talked about it in the newspaper when they did that newspaper argument. That was the first time I had had ice. Oh, man, we're talking about, you know, that's the first time. She, she came, the apostles, you know, we, we had all, all the team had moved. Moved to her place with her family, and she come out. Well, Apostle, here's some water. And I looked in the water. I had been drinking hot water and, and warm water and room temperature water, and I looked in the water, and there was some ice. I was like, woman of God, ice? I mean, I, we just all kind of just started tripping because, you know, here we take ice for granted. We'll pour a cup of ice out. But in, in different parts, some parts of Africa, you mess around and get you a cup of ice, it will taste like some of the best ice you have ever had in your life. I have, I have shared with some of my African brothers and sisters while I was down, especially in, you know, near the equator, some of them places, electricity be gone a lot of time. I'd be like, man, water, you just get a bag of cold water. That's how you drink water a lot of time, out of a bag, a little plastic bag. I'd be like, man, water, it tastes so much better in Africa than any other place I've ever been in in the world. And we just all kind of bust out laughing. But we stayed. The sister, uh, what we call, hosted us for some time while we were ministering in different churches and different things. And we had all gone out one particular day. And she took me to uh, this church building. She was showing us around in the city. She was taking us from different places. She took us to one church, huge, huge facility with a big blue roof. I remember the big blue roof because I had passed a couple times. I was like, what is that with that big blue roof? And she took us 
to this particular church. She was explaining that this is the church of um, uh, Pastor Akiola, who was one of the leading pastors in the city. He's got, you know, probably ten to 15,000 uh, people in his congregation. And she took us to the church. We were going to go to the church. We went to the church and, you know, walked around. I was like, man, this place is huge, man. This place is huge. And walked around, looked around, and, you know. I think that, uh, uh, the pastor was not in, but we walked around inside, looked all around. I was like, man, this is a big place. And the Lord has spoken much spirit that you're going to preach in this church. I was like, what? Well, this is you know, I didn't go into no, he said, you're going to preach right in here. Well, a few months later, after I got back to the United States, you know, it turns out that uh, we got a mutual friend and and. and uh, this particular pastor from Cameroon was in the United States, and Pastor Akiola was was in the United States, and I shared some things with a mutual friend. A mutual friend said, Apostle, i got to introduce you to my bishop. I said, well, no, no problem. So they called me on the phone, and it was Pastor Akiola, the pastor of that very church. And after I shared some things with him that the Lord had placed in my heart, he said, Apostle, i got to have you down for my wind and fire conference uh, next uh, near Christmas of the following year, he said, you know, this is what's going on, and ended up being down there and ministering. You said, Apostle, what you're talking about? Some of what you've seen is a part of your destiny. Some of the places you're going is a part of your destiny. I look at this, this very area where I'm living. I remember when, my, I, you know, when I was living in New Jersey as a young boy, and my uncle, his 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 uh, mother-in-law used to stay about what about a mile or two down the road and I remember him bringing me out to this area as a little bitty boy driving a hundred miles an hour that would be the thing my uncle my uncle Percy would be like you know when he'd get on airport road out there he would have an old cutlass he'd like an old deserted road he'd drive it a hundred miles an hour oh man boy I'd be just squealing like a little pig had no idea that 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 40 years later I would end up living right in the same area. To me, this was like, we call this the country. We call this the country. We, you know, he'd be like, Jake, let's go. Let's go out see my mother-in-law. Yeah. Let's go, Uncle D. Let's go. Jump in the car. Then he'd hit on the road. He'd be like, you want me to hit it? I'd be like, hit it, Uncle D. Hit it, Uncle D. Get up to 100 miles an hour coming out here to the country. Some of what you're seeing, some of the places you're going, watch this, some of the people that you're meeting, are going to be great parts of your destiny. You don't know it now. I didn't know. I didn't know. But one thing God can do if we are we sensitize ourselves to Him and 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 get close to Him, He will begin to reveal to us bits and pieces of our destiny. Places you go, God says you're going to live here. Some of you all, under the sound of my voice, have have visited houses that you're going to live in. Some of you all under the sound of my voice have met some folk that's going to be your husband or your wife. Some of you all under the sound of my voice have, have, have went by, stopped in and drink, got some water at, a, at, a, at a, uh, a business that you're going to work at in the fullness of time. Here's Moses looking, looking at their hard labor. The Bible says he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian, hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Egyptians fighting. 
He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Now, watch what the man says here now, because we're talking about destiny now. We're talking about destiny. The Bible says the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? That's the man's question. And little does he know that God has destined him, come on somebody, to be ruler and judge over them. Forty years later. His question is, in essence, who do you think you are? Who made you ruler and judge over? Well, the reality is God. God did. One of the saints is saying this is a precursor. A foreshadowing of events that are yet to come. Some of you all under the sound of my voice, God says, you have got skills, abilities, talents, and gifts that you are using in your natural profession and haven't even realized yet that God has need of them in the kingdom. Remember what Jesus told his disciples to go out one time and, and get this donkey that was going to be tied up and different things, and if anybody asks you got any questions for you, tell them that the master, what, has need of them. Some of you all under the sound of my voice are using prophetic gifts on your job, and you you telling the supervisors and bosses and them that, that you know, stocks going to turn around, and, and all of a sudden the stocks do turn around or tell them that the business is going to – don't even know that it's the gift of prophecy you got in operation out there on the job and, and, and not even using it in the church. See, and what you got to understand is that God will hold us accountable for that particular brand of foolishness because God wants us to seek ye first the kingdom of God you make sure that whatever good gift that God has given you is first being given back to God not that you can't use your gift in in different things I, I you know God is you know I remember once and uh <laughs> One of my former players got real, real scared after this. He was, uh, we had a basketball game coming up. Just, I'm just using that as an example, gift of prophecy. God showed me a whole lot of stuff that's going to come come to pass. We had a game coming up, and uh, this particular player asked me, he said, uh, Coach, think we're going to win tonight? I said, Lord, we're going to win tonight. Lord said, nope. <laughs> Lord said, no. I looked at him. I said, the Lord said, no. He said, what? I said, the Lord just said, no. Ah, I don't know, coach. I don't know. I said, all right, well, let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you still, you still coach. I mean, just like you still preach. And you, I know that everybody hearing my voice ain't going to get saved. But I still got to preach. So we had the game, I mean, the first three quarters, three and a half quarters, everything we was throwing up was money. 
I mean, man, we were playing smooth ball, sweet ball, moving the ball, passing the ball, wheeling, dealing, dunking, trunking, having a good time. Up by about 20 points with about two minutes left to go in the game. Young man looking at me as if to say, ah, coach, maybe you didn't hear quite right from the Lord. We got this one. I'm just looking. And all of a sudden, children of God, it was like it was supernatural what went on from that point. I ain't about two minutes left in the game. I ain't never seen nothing like it. That's why I remember it, and I kind of chuckled, because I ain't never seen nothing like it. Never seen nothing like it. All of a sudden, it's like there were invisible forces that had gotten involved in that game. Couldn't make no shots. Couldn't dribble no ball. Couldn't pass no ball. Couldn't do nothing. And everything they was doing on the other side just about was going through the basket. And before you know it, the game was, we were up by just about two little points with just a few little seconds left to go. Something ended up happening. I don't know to make a long story short, but they ended up throwing up something crazy at the buzzer and winning by one little point. And you should have seen the look. I mean, all of the players were upset. I was upset. I mean, you know, not as upset as I maybe would have been had the Lord not given me the heads up. But I looked into the eyes of my former player that had I had told. And he, he looked like he, he was afraid, like what? And, ooh, confused, afraid, all kind of emotions all, all wrapped up in one. Because God, you know, God cannot lie. He can't do it. Now, granted, you know, we don't always... You know, sometimes we think we heard from the Lord, we didn't, and, you know, different things. That's This is one of the reasons why we want to be as sensitive as we possibly can. We want to study as much as we can so that we can know his voice even better. But that young that young athlete, that young man, he wasn't, he wasn't quite the same after that. You say, Apostle, what are you trying to get us to understand? That God, Isaiah chapter 46, verse what? 10 makes known the end from the beginning. He makes known the end. God said, look, before you even start out in that, I know how that's going to turn out. God said, I know how your plans are going to turn out. God said, before you, God said, I know what you're going to plan before you even plan it. God says, I know what you're going to say before you even say it. God said, I knew Hitler was going to do all of that. Robert, God said, I ain't crazy. When Hitler was a little bitty bouncing baby boy, they go back and they show pictures of his little family, his little family. God said, I knew he was going to do all of that terrible stuff. Because God said, Robert, there is nothing I don't know. God said, I already know that Moses is, in fact, going to be what? Ruler and judge over y'all. 
Who made you rule and judge over us? Are, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? The Bible says, then Moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. Understand this, and let's just get this down. Everything we do become known. <laughs> now, just as well, let's go. Everything we do become known. One way or another. There's nothing hidden that the Bible says what? Will not be revealed. So come on now, children of God. Let's, let's, you know. If God got to WikiLeak your job, everything as a country we done done. We run right out. We got stuff, all stuff, you know, clandestine operations that we have done as a country, all kind of, you know, inside jobs and false flag. All that. God, God mess around and let a little, little employee. Here, this great country, the United States, trillions and trillions of dollars, billions and billions of dollars, world, and God let a little bitty, a little bitty uh, uh, computer hacker get right in and expose all our job and then take our run to another country. We can't even get to him and kill him like we want to. <laughs> because there's nothing that's done in the dark. That's not going to come to light. Here it is, Moses hiding this character all in the sand. You know, he done looked one way and looked another way. See, but here, and see, here's the thing. You know, normally when we're going to do something crazy, we're looking, you know, we're looking to see who's looking. But God said, look, what you need to understand is that I'm always looking. God said, one of the things, said, well, you don't get nothing past me. So, so, so things, you know. And this is why we just need to go and be real. Lord, you know, forgive me for my craziness now. Because you see it, and you reserve the right to tell anybody you want to tell. Whatever our craziness is, God sees God looking right at it. Man, we be all tucked all down in the dark, man, lights all down, and the windows all, the window shades pulled, and the shades and the door all locked. God be saying, what? I see that. Glancing. The Bible says Moses, what? Glance this way and that. That's normally one way you can tell somebody get ready to get into something. They start looking to see who's looking. <laughs> see if daddy looking. See if mommy looking. See if pastor looking. See if oh, looking. Who looking? Who looking? God is looking. Put that down uh, on the top of a paper. I got to preach that. I want it neat. I want it neat and I want it sharp. Who looking? God is looking. <laughs> We're going to preach that one, saying. <laughs> so you said, Pastor, what you trying to get us to say? Let's go on and be real, children of God. We're struggling with the lust of the eye. We're struggling with the lust of the flesh. We're struggling with the pride of life. We're struggling with this thing called sin. We're committing this thing called sin. I'm talking church. I'm talking tongue-talking, fire-baptized, Holy Ghost-filled us with sin. Huh? <laughs> Praise God. We sin. What's this topic here? Who looking? God is looking. All right, we're going to preach that soon. God is just real. God said, I see you, Moses. Moses said, look, what I, what I did must have come, become known. And I'm hearing God, you think? Really? 
The Bible says when Moses heard this, I mean when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. When Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. Now, I want to encourage you, child of God, because it's important for you, each one of us to understand is that as people of God, we are people of destiny. Ain't nobody going to kill you until God allow it. Pharaoh or nobody else. You're not going to be killed until you do what God has destined you to do. You're not going to be killed until you go where God has destined you to go. You're not going to be killed. It's not possible. So stop worrying about that. Stop worrying about that. God already knows what's going to kill you and what's going to kill me. Moses fled and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well, now a priest of Midian. Now, look at this now. Look at this. A priest of Midian. Not just some kind of anybody in Midian. Moses spends the next 40 years with a priest. You say, Apostle, what you driving at? You need to take very seriously the people that God is connecting you with because oftentimes there are people that God intends to impact and influence your destiny. You look up and God is hooking you up with a whole lot of, of wise folk. God trying to show you where, where he, he, he wants you to go. Now you look up and you see yourself surrounded by a whole bunch of fools. That You need to really, you need to really be concerned about that now. Because who you have chosen to surround yourself with will determine and, and, and will give you a glimpse into your destiny. Who you have determined. Watch this now. You say, Apostle, can we get some scripture to go with that? Sure you can, my brother and my sister. That's why I'm here. He who walks with the wise, Proverbs, grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Moses ends up connected with a priest, one who goes before God on behalf of the people. Prophet goes before the people on behalf of God. The priest goes before God on behalf of the people. For 40 years, Moses spent time with a priest. Well, isn't it ironic that Moses ends up having to operate in a priestly capacity. How many times did Moses have to go before God on behalf of the crazy Israelites? How many times did God want to kill the Israelites and Moses have to pray? How many times did God say, look, Moses, slide to the side and let me kill these Israelites, and then I'll make you into a great nation, greater and stronger than that? And Moses prayed and sought the favor of the Lord. How many times? Moses was, he had been with a priest. He had been with a priest. Now, a priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled their troughs to water their flocks. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up, came to their rescue, and watered their flock. What do you say, Apostle? What you got in that? 
characteristics of his destiny are spilling out. Understand that characteristics of your destiny and my destiny will spill out. Moses, who ended up being a great what? Deliverer, a great protector of God's people, a great, you see this, you see this spilling out of him, even in the wilderness. Characteristics and the qualities of Joseph, they didn't just spill out when he became second in command in all Egypt. They were spilling out when he was in prison. Characteristics and qualities that made Esther a great woman of God, they didn't just spill out when she became queen. They were spilling out when she was a slave girl. Characteristics and qualities of, of, of David that made him a great, a great king, they didn't just spill out when he got anointed or when he became king. They were spilling out when he was a shepherd and, and a bear or a lion would attack his father's sheep. Characteristics and qualities of greatness spill out long before that greatness is um, a matter of public record. Characteristics and qualities. You know, I share with you all. I, after I played against Michael Jordan in high school, I called my father. We 16, 17, skinny kids, skinny, running around. I called him up. I said, look, man, I said, I want you to remember this name. Oh, this was long before... Wheaties commercials, long before Nike, long before I want to be like Mike, long before all of that. I said, man, remember this. Now, he said, what's the name, boy? I said, Michael. Why? Jordan. The rest is history. See, this is why we got to be very, uh, we, got to, we got to be watchful. Because, see, something is wrong with you or me if we can't see greatness in an individual, even though they are in obscurity. Just because somebody is living in an impoverished neighborhood, that does not mean they don't have the seeds of greatness in their character. All right, think about this. Now, even though God had great things in store for Moses, humility must come before honor. Even though God had great things in store for Joseph, let him spend some time in the prison. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So even in the wilderness, even on the run, even in an uncomfortable place, even in a place that was very different from what Moses was used to, the, 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 the greatness of his character begins to shine. And that's one, that's one, that's a beautiful thing about greatness. You can't keep my greatness down. You can't keep my greatness from not shining. 
Nobody can keep your greatness, child of God, from shining. Light shine in darkness no matter what darkness try to do. Good God in this place. Light shine in darkness. I don't care how much darkness you bring. You can't make light not shine if it's shining. Child of God, you will shine in spite of your enemies, in spite of your generation, in spite of folk that don't like you, in spite of that divorce, in spite of that, that, that mistreatment, in spite of that molestation, in spite of, in spite, child of God, you will shine. Darkness can't stop you from shining. Jesus said we are the light of the world. Darkness can't stop light from shining. Well, like Bishop Clemens used to say, that's the message. That's the message. Child of God, you go ahead on and shine your shine. And quit worrying about those who are trying to put out your shine. Because you can't put my shine out no matter what you do. Go on and shine your shine, child of God. That's what our Nigerian brothers and sisters, shine your shine. Father, in the mighty and the glorious name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this word today. Father, it has been an on-time word. It has been a word that has encouraged your people near and far. We thank you, Father, that you have a destiny for us. In spite of what people may say, in spite of what they may think, in spite of what they may do, you know the end. You know our end from the beginning. We thank you, Father, that you have destined us for greatness. Just as we study about your servant Moses, he was destined for greatness in spite of his mistakes, in spite of his enemies, in spite of his uh, hardships and difficulties, greatness was his portion. And I thank you, Father, that greatness is the portion for your children. We pray, Father, that you continue to watch over us as we part one from another. Until we meet again, may the grace of our Lord and Savior, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide henceforth, now and forevermore. Surely, children of God. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. Three questions. Children of God, explain uh, the meaning of Moses' name in the Hebrew and how it related to his life. Explain the meaning of Moses' name in the Hebrew and how it related to his life or destiny. Number two. What was the significance of Moses' watching the Hebrews at their hard labor. What was the significance of Moses watching the Hebrews at their hard labor? And number three, What did it show when Moses got up and rescued those girls? 
what did it show? Or what was it a show of when Moses got up and rescued those girls? Amen and amen. And you can reach us through email at thechristianconcernchurch at gmail.com. Check out our website at www.ourchurch.com backslash member backslash t backslash tccc. Feel free to join us on TalkShoe's Spreecast, YouTube, and iTunes at 9 a.m. 7 p.m. daily. On TalkShoe, call 724-444-7444. Enter ID 17959. On Spreecast, type in Robert Bryant on YouTube and the Chris and Son Church channel. You can see excerpts of Apostle Robert Bryant on YouTube. Donations should be sent by using the donation button on the church website or our talk show homepage. God bless you and heaven smile you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.